0: We're seeing print sales go down. It doesn't mean that we're sell- overall we might not be selling less. It's just that maybe they're going elsewhere, right? Away from general retailers, general trade retailers, and going to uh, e-book sellers, for instance.
1: This week, we've got our very own Noah Gennar giving you an overview of the state of the Canadian book market and Canadian readers. BookNet Canada conducts a lot of research on both the market and consumer habits which can be really valuable if you're in the business of publishing or selling books. There's a lot of data here, but Noah manages to break it down into some key trends and insights in just half an hour. And don't worry, there will be no anecdata in this presentation. If you'd like to see the presentation slides from the talk, you can find them by going to slideshare.net slash BookNet Canada. Now, here's Noah.
0: First off, why research? Why is BookNet doing research? Well both yesterday and today, for those of you who were here yesterday uh, and and even today, it's really about understanding our readers better. That's what our research is all about. It's about getting a context of what's going on in the industry and getting a feel for what's happening. But it's really about our readers. It's really about getting away from this, right? We use this term a lot. Uh, We've talked we talk about it a lot in Booknet. I think in the book industry, it's really married to anecdata for some reason. There's so much talk, and but the data is never they never really tell you where the data comes from and things like that. So it feels really, really, you know, uncomfortable. This is the science side we want to talk about, not the anecdotal side. So in a perfect world, we would be able to talk to every single one of our readers or book buyers. Some of you may talk to a lot of your book buyers or your readers, but I guarantee you, you can't talk to all of them. So what we're talking about here is collecting and doing, collecting this and doing research in a way that uh, we can look at all our readers at once. Oh, you can't see it, unfortunately. Um, the, up in the corner, I was staring at this image so long. This is uh, data. He's happy he just got some new consumer research data. He's pumped. <laughs> And uh, up in the corner there is a red shirt. Does everyone know who a red shirt is? From, yeah. So the red shirt guy starts smiling. And then as data gets pumped up, he kind of starts to frown. And, t- and I can just imagine that what he's seeing on the screen is data that means he has to go to the surface of the planet. right? And we all know what happens to the red shirts when they go to the surface of the planet. That's it. It's game over. Um, but it's not just about the data. I love this data. I think this this data, big capital D data, is really, really happy that uh, he's getting some insight, right? He's getting some insight from small d data, and he's using that to kind of learn things, right? So so what research is BookNet up to? Um, We do really a lot, and some of this you may see quite often. Some of it's available only to subscribers of our services. That's a plug. Um, But we do all of it. So uh, we do a monthly, every month we release a market level research report about what's going on in print book sales in English speaking Canada. That's available free every month to sales data subscribers. It gives in depth analysis of categories and uh, different market channels and things like that. So that's available. That's one thing we do. We release free research reports, all based on real data. So uh, last year we did Canadians Reading Winners. Uh, This was uh, uh, looking at the impact of literary awards on book sales. That's available, free from our website. Remember content marketing this morning? Just bringing that back again. Um, We also did uh, just recently the Coast to Coast Consumer Book uh, Report. That's available, free from our website. We get hundreds and hundreds of reports, one of the biggest reports that we 've ever done, or not the biggest report we 've ever done, the report that 's got the most traction is one we did with Nielsen and kobo and This was the analysis of Alan, when Alice Monroe won the Nobel Prize, how it affected her book sales around the world we 've had thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads of this report. It made the Turkish Daily Newspaper and the Indonesian Daily Times. And that's content marketing at work, people. I don't think those people are subscribing to BookNet services, but we were happy to see them use our data. We also do much more kind of tactical research as well. So I'm not sure how many people have seen this one. Um, It was mostly went out to our retailers who contribute to sales data, but we're always trying to add value for our members. So this is a very in-depth analysis of 15 different categories across the market in Canada for the last four years, we analyzed which books were selling in those categories that would normally be under the radar. So these are books that we think that retailers should have in stock because they're showing enough traffic. So this is getting beyond the top ten. This is getting to stuff that could be selling and should be stocked in every single retailer in Canada. It looks something like this. There's science going on here. Um, I'm sure you can all read it. it uh, it's important stuff and it's, it's tactical. Very, very important stuff for booksellers and publishers. We also every year publish our market annual, which I'm going to touch a little bit on uh, later. Came out on Monday, by the way. Um, so we analyze thirty-some uh, odd project, ca- or sorry, subject categories. We do price analysis, market share. Uh, we do bestseller lists. We do all of the all of the kind of deep diving of the data. This is available to anyone. You don't have to be a sales data subscriber, and you can purchase it from our site. There are also. Those are just some of the reports. We have many, many others. We've done analysis of social media. We've done analysis of tools that help transition to digital. All that stuff is available, and we're always interested in more. So, Now here's where it gets a little bit weird, um, or maybe sad. Um, so I'd like to caution that there's going to be a bunch of graphs coming at you, and they often trend down, uh, at least at the start. So uh, what I've done here is I've pulled some data that we don't normally push out, but I, I thought would be of interest t- today. So um, what this is is an analysis of print book sales in, can- in English-speaking Canada over the last six years. Okay? Why did I pick six years? We've had a pretty steady panel of retailers for the last six years reporting data to us. And there's some, in- some initial or some interesting things have happened in the last six years. We'll talk about what those are in a minute. Um, I wish I had, this is print book sales we're going to look at right now, I wish I had detailed title level e-book sales because I, I know that everyone wants that, we want it too. But unfortunately, the way the e-book market is right now uh, in Canada and pretty much around the world, that is really, really hard data to get because there's not a lot of retailers in the e space and the few that are there hold their data very private. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at print book sales, but I'm going to pivot it a little bit and we're going to use it as a lens on uh, e-book sales. So, just a, kind of a little bit of a refresher on, uh, on our sales data uh, data set. So, we've been collecting data, as Neha mentioned, since about two thousand and five. We have over sixteen hundred retailers sending us weekly data, mostly trade focused, English speaking. We figure talking to publishers represents about eighty-five percent of the trade book sales in Canada. So, it's not everything, and for certain publishers in certain categories, we may underreport. But in a general kind of macro sense, it's a pretty good bl- picture of what's going on. I'm afraid of this next slide. So this is what's going on in print book sales in Canada over the last six years. So the top line is all of our retails, all of our retailers, and the amount that they've, uh, they've, sorry, the amount they're selling per year on the, on the axis there. Um, and the red line is what we call our comparable stores. So this is a set group of retailers we use to compare year over year, because in our all market, we're continuing to add new retailers all the time. This is units. I'm mostly going to stick to units here. Um, I know that when we see, uh, you know, Publishers Weekly and Quill Inquirer reports, it's often revenue stuff. But I'm not a huge fan of doing revenue projections when we're talking like this because revenue depends on bibliographic data, which is always uh, a bit of a problem. But also, what we're talk- what I'm talking about here is I'd like to look at increasing our market or what's going on with the whole market based on units, revenue. Publishers can raise the price of books to generate more revenue, but they can only do that for so long and then it's no longer going to work. We'd like to sell more, going back to what Kevin Ashton was bringing up this morning. We want to sell more, we want to convert more, and we just want to get more people reading. The other thing that I think is important, and we talk about this a lot with retailers and maybe a little less so with publishers, is there's a difference between margin and turnover. Does everyone know what I mean by that? So in the retail side of things, uh, most retailers want more margin, right? They want to get 50% off list when they're selling. But really, the factor that would be best for their business is to turn books over faster. Margin is definitely part of the equation, but turnover is greater. And so I pivot that back to the publishers a little bit. Selling more is better than selling more for more, <laughs> or selling less for more, I should, mean, should say. So margin versus turnover. So I'm going to stick mostly to units or percentages. So this is what the different high-level subjects look like over that same six-year period. We've talked about juveniles come up a couple times today. The red red line on this graph above me is the juvenile market. That is a significant shift of the marketplace in just six years. So in six years, juvenile has gone from 29% of the market to 37% of the market in Canada. And we 're hearing that in pretty much all the other English language territories. so these are percentages that i 'm showing here. so obviously, if one thing's going up and another thing's going down, because uh, you have to equal hundred percent, so uh, no- fiction and nonfiction you can see are going down here now we 're going to kind of come back to this in a few minutes and look at maybe what 's going on here. But uh, I, you know that juvenile thing is is key, and we 're going to see a few, a few times how that happens. So just a little cautionary tale before I go on to the next, ta- the next table. Um, You've probably, if you've been to any of my presentations, or, uh, Na- or Nathan touched on it this morning, correlation does not equal causation. Okay, so I think we're all pretty good at that now. Does, can you read this? This is uh, the number. The yellow line indicates the number of Nicolas Cage films per year. The red line equals the number of people who drowned by falling into a swimming pool in the US. right? So there is a correlation there, as you can see by looking at the graph. But probably the Nicolas Cage films don't cause the drowning. Although I, some of those Nicolas Cage films, if I had a pool, um, <laughs> you know, it could be trouble. Anyway, I just want to kind of put that there. Because what I'm going to do with this next chart is uh, I'm going to try and start to look a little bit at the e-book, uh, e-book line, uh, the ebook side of this stuff. So, so here again is units by, by subject over time. These are unit sales, so it's not a percentage. You can see the red line, which is juvenile going up, and the fiction and nonfiction going down. I'm going to pop some data on this chart. So uh, the very first line there, that's Kobo. So we can, the Kobo launch into the Canadian market, a little gray, right? Short covers launched. Short covers went for about six or seven months. Kobo launched in December 2009. The, re, the very first Kobo reader launched in May of 2010. The next line is iBooks entry into Canada. So iBooks entering to Canada was a dual had maybe a dual effect. They launched the iBooks store and they launched the iPod at the exact same time. That was May 28th, 2010. The third line is the Amazon Kindle launch in Canada. Now it can be a little gray because um, you could buy the Amazon Kindle around you could buy around to get an Amazon Kindle and you could buy from the amazon.com Kindle store, not the .ca store. But these are the launches in the Canadian store. So There is probably some correlation here. I can't draw a definite causation um, to the the entry of the stores in the down, but you can kind of see there's some peaks and valleys that follow the launches of those stores, especially in the fiction category, the green line. And so, you know, we're seeing print sales go down. It doesn't mean that we're selling, overall, we might not be selling less. It's just that maybe they're going elsewhere, right? Away from general retailers, general trade retailers, and going to uh, e book sellers, for instance. It's an interesting thing to do. So, units sold by year, we can put that, those same graphs over here, and I think that the peaks and valleys even line up a little bit more, right? We can see a definite falling off of the market, and we're going to look at this data in another way that I think is even more telegraphing of it. So, all right, next one. Here too are the best sell- the top three best sellers by year. Okay, I've taken the unit axis off because I can't give away title-level de- title detail, but each of these colored bars represents uh, the first, second, and third best-selling titles in the market um, over the- for each year. So you can see 2008, 2009, 2010, we're kind of going up, right? And then we start to fall off in 2011, except for the top one. 2012 is an, an- anomalous year because of 50 Shades. Fifty Shades. Those are the three Fifty Shades. I can't. There's no access there, but <laughs> you can see what that did to the market, right? But you can see what 2014 was like, and you've probably heard this, or you may experience it for, in retail, or or if you're one of these publishers. But there was nothing that really blew the doors out last year, and that affects the whole market too. So I wanted to show that, right? So it, it can change things. So let's just look at some uh, fiction, ca- some different categories in in the market too. So this is the fiction. This is uh, different subcategories under the fiction and their percent that they hold of the whole market. So the blue line is romance, the red line is thrillers, mystery, detective, and fantasy over time. So there's peaks and valleys because when you get down to the subject category level, certain things can move a whole category very well. So there's the Fifty Shades peak again on romance. Thrillers, you know, and what's interesting about this is that, you know, we, we know ebooks are picking up a lot of thrillers, or sorry, a lot of genre categories, or we think they are, but these categories are still doing quite well in print. They're not being completely eroded away by ebook book sales. Um, fantasy's down and falling pretty fast, but mystery detective thrillers and romance are all doing all right. So maybe just a couple others that I just... There's many BISAC subject categories that I just picked out because I thought their trend lines were interesting. So historical fiction down and up, science fiction down, quite a bit and continually down, Christian up, religious up, and following a very similar line to erotica. I'm not going to touch that, um, <laughs> but you can see that there are some there is some down in the genre stuff and you know we're just looking at print book sales here so i don't have all the ebook data but we do have a little bit of a lens into the uh, into the subject level stuff from our consumer panel and so this is from our our consumer panel last time we ran this was in 2013 but you can see the red column there the ebook column the you can see that the fiction mystery detective consumers are telling us they're buying about 10.7% of that in ebook they were in 2013 and you can add these up or that's what the percentage was so the ones that are being affected here are mystery sci-fi romance and erotic and those, when we look back at those charts, we saw those, those, uh, those, most of those uh, subject categories falling. Nonfiction looks something like this: purple is biography and autobiography, uh, blue is cooking, and then business and e- economics, and then history. So history, business, economics are falling a little bit. Cooking is actually been doing good, and that seems to make sense and follow what we would expect, right? Ebook read to ebooks are not that big in the cooking sphere yet, so we're not seeing that impact on the print book sales. So that. You know, that, I think that's an important thing to remember. The uh, biography and you know, autobiography does really well in ebook in the ebook category, but because of the steep because of Steve Jobs and Bobby Orr and Gordy Howe, that category is up higher than it would normally be. And so, you know, one of the things I often get asked, and you maybe maybe have heard me mention this before, is can you pull out the best sellers? And then we can look at the charts. Yeah, we can do that, but there's always best sellers. And what's you know, that's part of the business, and so it doesn't, yes, it would trend down then, but they're important things. Nonfiction can be a little scarier, so uh, or the other ones. These are, again, some that I just pulled out that I wanted to make the ebook kind of point. So that, tro- that top line that's diving straight for the bottom, that's going to South America, that's travel, right? And we would expect that, too. And the travel effect, I don't even think it's ebook sales, right? It is apps and websites, that have driven that category down. And if I went back and looked at travel previous to this, you would see that it was even taking a hit earlier on from the internet, right? But as a category selling books, it's taken it on the chin. And I think we kind of know that from what we're hearing. Um, Many of the other ones here, so there are some down, there's some ones trending down. So foreign language study, definitely trending down. Again, I think that's app. And website driven. So, you know, I've talked to lots of people about Duolingo. I love it. That's what's killing foreign language study books. And, you know, but the other side of this is that art, photography, design, and poetry are either flat or trending up, right, in print book sales. And that kind of goes with what we'd expect, right? Those are not really ebook focused. Subject categories. And so the data is backing that up. So it's not anecdotal, this is real data. The causation and correlation might be a little odd. But so design, poetry, photo, and art are all up. Small gains, but still up. And once again, when we look at our consumer panel, we can see uh, that e-book is you know, big in biography and autobiography and history, not so big in cooking and others. Right? Narrative kind of text-heavy stuff works on eBooks, Picture-driven content or learning content, not so much. So I'm going to kind of take this in another direction. Um, These charts show, again, the three top subject categories and the number of ISBNs per year that we have sales reported against that category. Does that make sense? So the top line is nonfiction. So we have around 250,000 ISBNs that get a sale reported reported against it in a given year. That hasn't really changed, although it's trending down a little bit over the last year or so. Nonfiction and juvenile, sorry, fiction and juvenile have been trending up. But remember I showed you that sales were going down? So we're seeing more ISBNs into the market with sales, but the overall sales numbers are going down. So each of those ISBNs is selling less. So when we look again at our kind of top-level fiction categories, they're all kind of in this boat. Thriller, fantasy, mystery, detective, and romance. More content even entering the print book. And remember, this is not taking into ebook. More content entering the print book market, but generally selling less. Number of ISBNs with sales in non-fiction, It's a similar pattern but a little bit different. uh, And I'm not really sure why, but history and business and economics are trending down a little bit. The others are going up. We can, again, pivot this a little bit more, and we can look at the sales generated by each of those ISBNs in any given year. I think this is a fairly interesting chart. So the the total line there is uh, the blue one kind of in the middle. The fiction line is the one diving for the bottom. So this is relating sales to the number of ISBNs that are actually selling in that market. right? So there's a lot more content entering fiction, or those fiction ISBNs are selling a lot less. And it's a bit of a combination of both. Okay. And juvenile is at the bottom there. It's kind of, or sorry, juvenile's at the top. It's the one crossing the fiction. So there's a lot more. I think it's just showing that there's more content going into the juvenile subject category. Fiction is taking the big hit. And one more kind of area I wanted to look at before I left sales data is that uh, this is market share by bucketed ranked titles per year. If that makes sense. So what this is is that the, the bottom blue graph line is the top 10 best sellers every year. The red line is the top 11 to 100, and the green line is 101 to 1,000 ranked best-selling titles. So what this is showing is that uh, what portion of the market share those buckets contain each year. Okay. If that makes sense. So the top 10 titles are taking, are, in our effect, are taking it a little bit on the chin in print book sales, right? Much more so than the top 11 to 100, and even less so than the next 1,000, right? They're not being as affected by what I think is e book sales as much as the, as the top one, sorry, the top 1 to 10 titles. We have 475,000 ISBNs with sales in a given year. And the top 1,000 ranked titles account for approximately 30% of everything sold in the market. But the tail goes down to 475,000, right? So the top 10 has seen double digit declines year over year. And it saw a 2% decline in the top 10. Over that period, we've seen a 2% decline in the top 10 if we take out 2012, which I said I would never do, but I'm doing it here. So this all comes from this or from sales data. It's print books, it's uh, interesting data, we can slice and dice and if there's stuff you want to look at, you can talk to me and we would happily pull the data. So I'm going to switch now and go to a different side of uh, our research business. So what I want to talk about is uh, bookish behavior, not boorish, but bookish. So um, we run every year uh, a leisure study. We call it a leisure study. It's a study of reading habits in Canada. It's a, it's a quick study. We run it for Tech Forum primarily. This is not our full consumer research panel, which I'll touch on in a minute. So it's an online survey. We ask it in February each year. We ask about 750 English-speaking Canadians about their reading habits. Um, you have to have read a book in the previous year to respond. and. Par- And participants are compensated for participation. Those of you that are stats geeks a little bit like me, it's plus or minus 3% at a 95% confidence interval. Um, So this is how how our panelists tell us they're spending their time. Remember the 3% uh, margin of error. Um, The top box is searching uh, the internet. Or browsing the internet, or playing around on the internet. So the question we ask them is, which leisure activities would you say are your top two choices for spending your free time? Check two. So browsing the internet is the top one. TV is second, and reading is about 23 or 21 or 23 percent of the market, and that hasn't changed. For three. We've done this for four years. i just just you three years. It hasn't changed that much over the three years, and it kind of goes with this, with the data that Kevin was talk, talking about this morning, which. Um, I'm going to show on the next chart. The other thing that people spend a lot of time doing, because they can also tell us, is sleeping. Didn't know it was a leisure activity? It's huge leisure activity. Sleeping gets way up there. And scrapbooking. So polite. Um, so we asked, them, uh, we asked these same panelists, uh, did you read a book last year? Um, 84% of our respondents said they read a book last year. That's very similar to the Pew numbers that Kevin was showing this morning, which is about 78% for the US. This is down slightly from our in our panel from the year before, but it's within the margin of error. That little kind of chart at the bottom shows last year it was about 88%. I think this is a really good number, 85, 88% of people read a book last year. Um, how many people have run, done some consumer research like A and B tests and stuff like that? Have you, you, I see some nodding. It's late in the afternoon. Yeah. So. Um, we run this panel, uh, I'm going to give you, this is the tactical hint part of the presentation. We, run this, uh, present, we r- run this panel with a tool called AYTM. I'm not invested in AYTM in any way. It stands for Ask Your Target Market. It's a great survey tool if you need to run quick off surveys. So it does all, this, all this data comes from Ask Your Target Market. You get full demographics for all your panelists, everything um, included. But one of the cool things they started doing is they ask, this is crazy. They ask all kinds of. uh, They ask. They have a a, their panel base is 25 million people, and they ask all kinds of surveys of them. And what they can now do is correlate your survey against the responses that are coming back in those other surveys, and you get this kind of included for free. And so that's what this is doing. So they may be kind of hard. You can read them. Um, What this is is this is the correlation. um, Just a quick dive into the correlation for our question of did you read a book last year. Right? So we ask all our panelists that. And then you can take those, the responses to the other 2,700 surveys those panelists have answered, and you can look for correlations. So I just picked some obvious ones here. So anything towards the uh, green side, the closer it is, the more correlated they are. It means that they're more likely to answer yes to that question. The bigger the dot, the more respondents an- answered yes to, or answered that question. So you can see over here on the no side, People who watch TV more than four hours a day are, very un- are much more unlikely to have read a book last year. Okay? That makes sense. This is an obvious one. I've pulled some obvious ones. But people who have went- read movie listings and-, and reviews in newspapers are more likely to have read last year. If they listen to classic music, they're more likely to have read last year. If they go to movie theaters, they're more likely to be read last year. These are fairly obvious high-level ones, but it can get pretty interesting pretty quickly. And you can really dive in. And this is going to relate back to the content marketing stuff that, that uh, was talked about this morning. So here uh, is a list of all the people, all the traits, not all the traits, but many of the traits of people who answered yes to reading last year. So they were readers. They were radio listeners. They were comedy film watchers. They were credit card users. <laughs> they, they like Canvas shopping bags. Um, <laughs> They love the arts. That makes sense. They're olive oil consumers. Well, if you had a book on olive oil, that might be a really good thing to know. Um, you know. And you can go down and down the list. And you can slice and dice this on 2,700 different attributes. And so what it does is it allows you to find an attribute that may be of interest to you and then dive in deeper to those groups of people or ask another questionnaire of them. It's a cool tool. Um, we also ask in the same survey, did you use a library? Last year. And by using a library we asked specifically did you check out an audiobook, a print book, or an ebook? And so fifty-four percent of book readers said that they did use the library last year. And that's down slightly from the year before. When we asked when we cross tab this or slice and dice it by ebook readers, it goes up to sixty two percent. So ebook readers use the library more. And I just did one of these again. Um, so this is for the library question: did you check out a book, either print, digital, or audio out of the out of the library? Um, people who have some college don't use the library. I don't know what that means. Um, people who have a four-year degree, or are newspaper readers, or magazine subscribers, or make phone calls on their computer are directly correlated to using the library. So I don't know what that means. But you could if you want to dig into it. You can actually slice and dice this stuff too, so you can get some pretty interesting things. We also asked about device ownership, and this goes a little bit to this morning as well. So ownership of tablets is up 6% in our, pan- in our panel. Um, smartphones are up 4% and e-readers are down 3% year over year. Um, e- the e-book readers I've sliced out here, so e-book readers are more likely to have an e-reader than the general population but are also more likely to have tablets and smartphones. We also asked purchasing. Um, tablets are up or down, or sorry, tablets are up about 6%, sorry, tablets are down 6%, e-readers are down 3% year over year and smartphones are up 4%. Device usage? Go quickly through this. This is a year-over-year comparison. Um, And what I wanted to point out here was the increase in the smartphone usage for reading. has gone from 10% to 15% in one year, and e-readers have dropped from 35 to 27% amongst readers. That's fairly significant, and we've seen that in some other surveys we've done. Um, Women are less likely to use a tablet and much more likely to use a dedicated e-reader by almost 10%. We also asked the format that they read. And Kevin talked a little bit about this this morning. That's not a greater than symbol. I realized afterwards it's supposed to be an arrow. Um, the top, so 91% of our people who said they read last year read a book. 27% listened to an audiobook, And 55% said they read an e-book. Print is about the same year over year. E-book is down 3%. And audio is about the same year over year. 10% of readers read only an e-book and no print. Audio was 10% higher for library users. I'm going to skip over that one. Um, So print shopping, where they buy. Uh, There should be air quotes around shopping because we actually say acquire. And so most people acquire their print books either online or in bookstores. But a fairly good portion also get them at the library. We also asked about book activities. We're going to share all this stuff afterwards, so I'm going to go a little bit fat. So at least once per month, this percentage of readers say they do this. So 18% of uh, readers say they participate in book clubs. At least once a month, 31% say they discuss books online. 59% say they discuss books in person with others. 38% visit social visit social book sites, like Goodreads and 49th Shelf, and 49% say they shop online for books. Ebook acquisition almost all online. Um, we asked the other question this year, and we got some uh, good responses there. Um, a lot of people acquired their ebooks from. Uh, Apart from here, from Wattpad is a huge now response uh, for ebooks. That's the first year we've seen that. Um, and also torrent sites. We had a lot of torrent site replies. A, I'm surprised that people actually reply that. B, there's no way to tell if they're pirating something or if they're just downloading free stuff. Right? We can't know. So we also ask. Uh, this is one of the responses we had to that acquisition quote. We had a lot of quotes like this, actually. My daughter loaned me, loaned me her e-reader to try. I still prefer, prefer a print version that I can hold. I'm very old-fashioned this way. Uh-huh. Um, I also mentioned a lot of free downloads. Audiobook shopping, spend a second on audio. Um, the number one place that uh, people get their audiobooks is Audible, but, a li- but the library is very important to audiobook. And I want to dive into audiobook because we've been talking a lot about audiobooks to a lot of people recently. And uh, also with this morning's uh, presentation, it's kind of interesting. So discoverability about how listeners found out about their uh, last audiobook. Um, it's almost all recommendations from friends. Or a big portion of recommendations pr- pr- from friends. Um, 67% of people that discovered their audiobooks discovered in person versus 46 in print. 19% at the library versus 4% in print. The subjects that are very popular in audiobooks are also the subjects that are very popular in ebooks. books so That's what this is showing, it's thriller, mystery detective, shouldn't be a big surprise. Um, we've been hearing a lot about the demand for audio titles as I mentioned. The AAP re- released their report yesterday and download audio was the format that grew almost that grew 28.7% year-over-year year between 2013 and 2014 in the US. And before we finish up, remember this table, the leisure time table? Well, you know, I just love these things. So um, we did this leisure times, you, uh, uh, this leisure times question against uh, the other traits that they have in their database. A two is reading at the bottom, so I pulled out A two. These are the things that correlate to people um, spending time reading. So, you know, they're not a gadget lover. I guess that makes some sense. Uh, they're watching little TV. We've already talked about that. They're not impulsive. They're females. They're not status conscious, good for them. They're submissive. They're unsexy. They're unglamorous. I didn't put these labels on them. This is people answered questionnaires and labeled themselves this way. But I look around here. You're mostly readers, I think. And I would say that you're humble, accommodating, nonjudgmental, spending. These kinds of adjectives. But anyway, you can look and slice and dice these in lots of different ways. I recommend it. Um, our consumer uh, panel took a hiatus last year, but we just are going back into the field with our full consumer panel this month. So we'll have consumer, really good rich consumer data late in the year. But if you want to know more about that stuff, let me know. I always like to leave on a high note. So coming soon, free for you, content marketing at work, um, is the these two studies. So, listen up, audiobook use in Canada will be out in the next week or two, so that's why I had audiobook. This is consumer use of audio and the discovery of audiobooks in Canada. And our refresh of the state of digital publishing in Canada with, with 2014 numbers will be out uh, later this month or early next month. So Those are two studies we're giving away to you. Uh, if you have ideas for research, please research, or sorry, please email us or talk to Pam and I about any of your research stuff that you'd like to know or questions you'd like to ask. We'd love to talk to you about them. Um, we do have surveys going out in the field pretty regularly, so uh, we can insert stuff in there. Thank you.
1: Next week, we've got Melanie Jeffs from Orca Book Publishers offering a case study on their history with the middle school market and some tips on how to foster successful engagement. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can find us at booknetcanada.ca. Thanks to everyone who attended Tech Forum or helped to put it together. We gratefully acknowledge the financial support of the Government of Canada through the Canada Book Fund. And of course, thanks to you for listening.